Good morning. I'd like to welcome you all to the adult class of Bundle Life Baptist Church. We are studying um, Dr. Clarence Sexton's course on uh, the miracles of Jesus. We are in the second volume of that. Quite a few uh, miracles are, are told to us in the Bible. Um, this one is in the book of John, and it's entitled, While It Is Day. While It Is Day. Pastor Roy, would you open us up more prayer, please? Yes, help me, Lord. Help me. Amen. Amen. While it is day, you know, I, I, before we start, I want to say uh, this really uh, affected me as I was as I was uh, studying this. Uh, you know, I assume. That you know, you may not be as affected by it as I was. I may not be as affected by it. Other instances as as you are, but this is real. There's a lot here. There's a there's a there's a lot here. You know, if you just give it a cursory reading, then you well, there's another there's another miracle. But um, this is this is. I think it's to me it was. Uh, it was more profound than a, a lot of other things I've read. And God's word is profound, but I think when it touches you personally, I think it, it takes on a, a, a deeper meaning. When, when, and uh, if we allow it, the word of God will touch our hearts. Dr. Sexton begins, he says, the, the greatest commentary on the Bible is the Bible. You know, I remember, I think it was uh, Johnny Cash was the one who was credited with saying, boy, isn't it amazing how the Bible throws so much light on those commentaries that are written. And it's, uh, that's true. He says, as you, as you compare Scripture with Scripture, God will give you understanding of what a passage means. As we continue to look at the miracles of Jesus, may the Lord help us to see beyond the miracle to the Bible lesson that the Lord has for us. The Bible says in John 9, verses 1 through 7, that's John 9, verses 1 through 7, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither has this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the day, this beautiful day. It's bright and sunshiny. We just thank you for everything you do for us, giving us this place, Father, that we can come and study your word. We just pray as we open it and we study it, we pray that we would get those things that you would have us to, to, to have 
that we might be uh, better workers in the kingdom and, uh, and, and closer to you. Go with us, Lord. Forgive us when we do sin. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Dr. Sexton says, Notice the expression that our Lord gives us in the fourth verse, while it is day. Now, someone who, who just gave it a cursory reading said, Well, yeah, yeah, we, we, normally we work in, in the daylight. You know, back there, they, now they went fishing at night sometimes. They, um, they did what they needed to do to put food on the table. But for the most part, the work was done in the daytime. But that's not what Christ is talking about. The day, who's the light of the world? He's the light of the world. Spiritual daylight, he was spiritual daylight. He wasn't always going to be walking the earth. He needed to do what the Father sent him to do while it was day, while he was here, while the opportunity was there. And see, sometimes we think, well, I have, well, I've got all the opportunity, you know, Nah, yeah, I think the Lord put it on my heart to go with this, this person, but there'll be another time. You don't know that. We don't know that there'll be another time. They might not be there or we might not be there. So when it's put on our heart, we need to, we need to do it then and not, not, not put it off. While it is day, Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day or while there's an opportunity to do it. The night cometh when no man can work. Dr. Sexton goes on to say, many people waste their opportunity. Sometimes we think we'll have another time. We don't know that. We don't know whether we'll have another time. You know, I heard uh, Billy Graham say one time, people say, well, you know, the unsaved. Oh, I'm young. I've got, I got 40 or 50 years before I need to worry about that. You don't, we're, we're not promised any amount of time. God tells us what mankind average would live, three score and ten. So yeah, if you're 15, well, that's a long time, you think. But you know what 50 years goes by? Like that, like that. Now when you're young, you don't think that. When you hit past 70, you do think that. I started thinking that when I was 55. <laughs> so you guys are 55. <laughs> Watch out. But while the opportunity, while we have a God-given opportunity, that is, that's what it's about. God give us the opportunity to do, and we are, we are to not waste the opportunity. Now, have I wasted? Our, I, have. I have. To my shame, I have. I have. Dr. Sexton says, let us consider what we find in John 6, 28 and 29. The Bible says, then said they unto him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? Let's pay attention to this. Jesus answered and said unto them, this is God in the flesh. This is the work of God that you believe on him who he hath sent. You see, the work of God wasn't the healing of the blind man. God, Jesus did that to show who he was from. The work is that they would believe on him, that he would witness his holy witness 
and that people would believe on him. The work of God is that you believe on him who he has sent. So if we're going to work for God, we need to do the work of God. The first thing we need to do is believe on Jesus Christ. Everything else you do is in vain if you don't believe on him. The Lord spoke in chapter 9, uh, doing the works of him that sent him. He said, I must work the works of him that sent me. He knew exactly what he had to do. He knew exactly where he was from. He said, I do not want you to make a mistake of thinking that healing a blind man is the work of him that sent him. This is Dr. Sexton. He says, the Bible says very clearly in John 6, 28 and 29, then said they unto him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said unto them, this is the work of God that you believe on him who he hath sent. Dr. Sexton's first uh, subheading here is the light of the world. He goes on to say, there are many things going on in the life of every human being. We have a God who seizes every opportunity to do his work. And you know, God doesn't take us all when we're 15 or when we're 35. Or God works in each person's life when he chooses to work in our lives. That's when we hear the word of God and it pricks our heart, that's the time. It's not to put it off because we're not guaranteed a certain amount of times that the Holy Spirit will call. We're not guaranteed that. God works in a person's life while it is day. While there's opportunity, he, Dr. Sexton says, no matter where the Lord may begin, no matter where the Lord may enter, no matter when the Lord may start working in a person, the work that he desires to do is just what the Bible says. It is the work of salvation. That's, that's what we're about. We're about doing our Father's work. And when Jesus told his mother and Joseph, he said, didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? Didn't you know I would be here? He knew, even as a child, he knew what he was here for. He knew where he was headed, too. Think about that, being a 12-year-old boy and knowing where you're headed, knowing what's in place in front of you. Notice that the Lord Jesus said of himself in John 9, 5, I am the light of the world. Some may say people need light. Yes, they do. But you know what they need more than light? They need the ability to see. All the light in the world doesn't help you if you can't see. So that's what Jesus came to do. He came to give sight to the spiritually blind. And along the way, he gave sight to the physically blind. But that was to stir the man's heart. And that was to get him to a point where he accepted Jesus as Lord. And we can tell that he did. We can see he did. Jesus is the light of the world, and Dr. Sexton says, yet men still walk in darkness. We walk in darkness when we don't know the Lord. They, men walk in darkness. They choose to. They choose to. You talk about walking in darkness... I heard this morning uh, a little story about 
walking in darkness, the uh, young boy came to his dad and said, Dad, he said, I need a, I need a light. He said, why? He said, well, he said, I want to go courting my girl. And he said, I'd like to see. To, and he said, son, he said, back in my day, he said, we didn't use light. We just walked on out. He said, yeah, and look who you married. <laughs> so there's an advantage to walking in light. He says, some may see people say people need light, but they have to have sight in order that the light can help them. Jesus came to give them spiritual sight. Dr. Sexton says, as we begin to read this chapter, we discover that there are two types of blindness. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. Dr. Sexton says, I want you to notice the word and telling us that this particular story is connected with what we found just previous. He says, notice the expression, he saw a man because the man was blind. We know that he couldn't have seen Jesus. Probably heard him, you know, uh, when you lose one, one sense, usually the other ones get sharper. So he saw a man. The point that the Bible is making is not that the man could see Christ. Christ saw the man. That was the important thing, that he saw the man. And when he saw him, what did he see? Dr. Sexton says, there are times in our Christian lives when things are so clouded that it seems as though we cannot see him, but there have never been a moment in our lives that he couldn't see us. You know, when we get to that point in our lives and we think things are clouded, it's not, it's not a problem of his making. It's a problem of our making. He's there and he's not going to leave us unless we walk away. And he's still with us. If you're a child of God, he's still with you. you know, but that fellowship, we can, we can remove ourselves from that. And he, even that he will allow us to do. He will allow us the will to do that, free will to do it. But as Lord Jesus trapped with his disciples, he said, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. You know, Dr. Sexton says, this reminds me so much of my own foolish. He said, notice how foolish they were. Lord, what did this man do that he was born blind? Or did his parents sin that he was born blind? Not a word. Lord, the poor man's blind. We know you can. Could you help this man? Would you? None of that. Lord, uh, we're, we're curious. Why was he blind? And you know, if you look at this and you think, well, wait a minute. What could the man have done if he was born blind before he was born? Well, the Jews, some of them had a, had a strange idea of something called the transmigration of souls. They've, they believed, some of them believed that if a soul had sinned really grievously that it would be put into another body so it could pay penance for that. They also believed that a child before it was born could sin. So when, in that context, and this is from uh, J.B. Lightfoot, he, 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 in one of his commentaries that he brings out that they, they did have 
some of these men had this idea, this notion. It's not found in Scripture, but you know there are so many things that they had in their tradition that has no bearing on God's Word. They just, they just corrupted what God had said. And, and, you know, Jesus said, In vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines, commandments of men. You know, Jesus told them, you know, you've got, a, you've got a wrong idea of what the Sabbath is. That was created for you. You weren't created for it. He says, there are many times in life when we see a situation where it seems that we cannot see Christ. These fellows couldn't see that there was something here that needed to be done more than just curiosity of why the man was blind. They were with a man that they'd seen perform miracles. Not one of them said, Lord, would you help this man to see? And Dr. Second says, this reminds me so much of my own foolishness. Sometimes we, sometimes we get the idea that, well, that, that, well this, this couldn't happen. With God, anything can happen. It's, with God, anything's possible. Dr. Sexton says, have you ever asked a question that really did not make any sense at all? And after a while, you realized how senseless the question it really was? Yes. Yes. If you want to hear senseless questions and, and people trying to, to uh, get the topic away from Jesus Christ, witness to somebody that's not saved. And buddy, they'll have all kinds of theological questions because they want to get you off of the reason that you're there. Consider the question again. When they saw the blind man, they were not moved with compassion as Jesus was moved, as Christ was moved with the compassion. They did not love him like the Lord Jesus loved him. Now, I won't, I'm not going to fault them for that because no one can love like Jesus can love. So, they, they, but in their, in their zeal, well, Lord, you got the answer. Yes, he had the answer. He also had the remedy. He, he wasn't just going to, to tell them. And he says, it wasn't because of any sin that they did or, or anything. It was because this comes for the glory of God. That's not what he said. But he said, this isn't because anyone sinned. You know, Job's friends. I'll oh, come on, confess. You, what would you do? We know. God sees it. We, we can't see it. What sin did you commit that God is visiting this upon you? Not every, not every malady is because of a sin. Now, those maladies are in the world because of sin, but maybe not because of a, an individual personal sin that those are visited upon us. You know, if man had never sinned, sickness and death wouldn't have come into the world. But Adam chose to. And the Bible tells us that Adam's eyes were completely open, so he was not deceived. He says, consider their question again. When they saw the blind man, they were not moved with compassion as Christ was moved with compassion. They did not love like the Lord loved. They did not see him as Christ saw him. They did not see him in the same sense in which Christ saw him. They didn't see through the physical blindness to what he needed. You know, if Jesus had just said, well, 
I'm going to, I'm going to heal you. And walked on. Well, he'd have been able to see, so he would have been just like any other sighted man going to hell. There was something else that Jesus had in mind here. Uh, it wasn't just healing the, 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 the eyes. So, so we find so much of this today when many people say, I would like to give you my opinion. Would you like to give me your opinion? Does anyone care about what people really need? Or are we just interested in someone hearing our opinion? So often we care more about what we say and who hears it than about helping anyone to know God. Amen to that. Sometimes we, sometimes we get our purpose. We get at cross purposes. The Lord answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents. Now, he didn't mean that the man had no sin or the parents had no sin. He's saying this is not, this is not because they sinned. In other words, the reason for his blindness wasn't the sin, wasn't the parents' sin. He was, wasn't saying that they were without sin. We know that's not so. He was saying that the blindness wasn't due to sin. But it was that the works of God would be made manifest in the man. The works of God. What is the work of God? To believe on him that he sinned. We're going to find that out. We should be cautious when we try to explain why bad things happen to people. In life, some things we choose are not right and some things we choose are right. But we make deliberate choices with our lives. There are choices that God makes for us. We have no control over things that God allows to come into our lives. But we do know this. Sometimes we don't understand that, but we do know they're there for a reason. There for a reason. Dr. Sexton says, on occasion, I meet people who have some sort of physical infirmity or deformity. They did not choose that infirmity or deformity for themselves. If they are ever going to have any peace in life, they're going to come to the realization, they're going to have to, he says, that somehow, in some way, God allowed it. Someone may blame a parent who passed a disease down to a child. When we try to come up with a specific answer, everyone's case is different. Everyone feels pain a different way. Everyone feels their, their circumstances a different way. But God ordains the things that he gives to us. But you know, he says, when we try to come up with a specific answer to everyone's heartache and difficulty, we are running a risk, not just the risk of playing God, but the risk of having God deal with us to show that we are not God. You see, it's okay to say, I don't know why, Lord. I know you do. Job said, Though he slay me, I'll yet, yet will I trust him. Though he kills me. So we know, Lord, I don't know why. I know you do. I'm told in your word to trust you. So I will trust you. Devil doesn't like to hear that. So when you say that, don't say it out loud. Because he doesn't like that. He doesn't want to hear that. 
I, I've said before, if you want to get under the devil's skin, don't pray silently. But God can hear you. devil can't. Pray out loud so he can hear you. And if he's not there, one of his little demons will take it back to him. The Lord said it wasn't his sin. It, was the par- it wasn't the parents' sin. This came that the works of God should be made manifest to him. He says, in him. He said, do you believe that the work of God is marvelous? When the works of God are manifest, we should recognize that the works of God are marvelous. Keep in mind, as we move through this story, the Lord said, the reason this man is blind is that God is going to do a work in his life, that his work might be made manifest in him. Dr. Sexton pauses the question. He says, do you think it is possible that a man who was born blind could come to a place in his life where he would say, glory to God, I am so grateful I was blind. Because of my blindness, I've come to something I would never have come to had it not been for my blindness. The Bible says in John 9, 5 through 7, John 9, 5 through 7, he says, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. Now, Jesus could have said, You have your sight. And, and he would have seen right then. Why did he do it the way he did it? Well, now, the Jews also had another belief that saliva was, had some healing properties. Uh, but the man could not see Jesus. But he could feel his touch. He could feel him as he anointed his eyes. And when he said, go washing the pool it was more personal to him than just hearing a man because he could hear hearing a man say be healed and you think of this now he went to the pool he probably had to have someone help him get to the pool even after he could see he more than likely had to have someone help him back because even though he could see, he didn't know the direction. He didn't know where to go. Think about that. When we have someone that comes to Christ, okay, you can see now, have a good day. Do we do that? No. We take them, we bring them along, and we help them. If, if he had someone help him back to where Jesus was, that's incumbent upon us to help the new Christian in their walk. I've said before, you don't take somebody's drowning and pull them out and give them artificial resuscitation and they, <laughs> they start to breathe and say, whoa, boy, that was close, and walk off. You make sure that they're okay. You have someone to help them along. Why would we not do that? with someone's spiritual life. We need to help them along, keep them grounded, keep them. Uh, so, you know, th- this, this word uh, is, there's so much in here. It says in John 9, 8, it says, The neighbors, therefore, they said, and they which before had seen that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? 
the man was quite a famous beggar. Apparently, he says they all knew he was a beggar when they saw him. They knew he, this was the beggar. But, but, but this fellow can see. They all knew him as a beggar. They said, isn't this the guy that sat and begged? Isn't this our neighbor that was blind? The Bible continues in verse 9 through, the, through 19. It says, some said, well, this is he. Others said, well, he is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, how were thine eyes opened? He answered and said, a man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. Then said they unto him, where is he? He said, I know not. So they brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. You think the Pharisees are going to say, well, praise God, you couldn't see. Praise God that you can see. Not going to be so. The Bible says it was the Sabbath day when Jesus had made the clay and opened his eyes. So then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said unto them, He put clay upon mine eyes, and I wash and do see. Therefore, uh, some said of the Pharisees, This man, or there, I'm sorry, therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God. Why? Because he healed on the Sabbath day. They were, they were big on form over substance. That's, a, that's an understatement on my part. Others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? So there was a little division there. They said unto the blind man again, What sayest thou of him that he hath opened thine eyes? He said, He is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. And they asked him, saying, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? Well, how then does he now see? Well, they didn't know anything about it. The Pharisees didn't understand. They didn't want to understand. Let's be plain and clear about that. His parents knew that they were in for trouble dealing with the Pharisees. Much like today, hey, I'm a Pharisee and I'm here to help you. Hey, I'm from the government. I'm here to help. That's not so. Most of the time when they tell you they're here to help, watch out. Watch out. His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, that he was born blind, but by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes? We know not. He is of age. Ask him. He shall speak for himself. Dr. Sexton says, I can appreciate the humorous side of the Holy Spirit in giving us this narrative, as he does. Imagine the scene. The man received his sight, and he ran into his neighbors. They were excited, and they said, here's a guy who looks like our neighbor and talks like him, but this man can see. We don't understand that. He said, oh, it's me. Don't, don't worry. It's me. He says, I've never seen you folks before, but I recognize your voice. They said, well, we, boy, we've got, to take, we've got to take you to the Pharisees. 
we got to take you. When the Pharisees saw him, they said, you were healed on the Sabbath day? Whoa, that can't be from God. Now, Dr. Sexton said, you think that they would have said, praise God, you can see. These guys weren't about praising God. They were about status quo and tradition. They didn't have anything to be happy about. They, they weren't happy. They didn't rejoice with the man that he could see. We don't know how old he was, but we know he was of age. The Pharisee said, we'd like to know who healed you on the Sabbath day. We won't talk to that fella. I think they probably already knew who did it. So get your parents in here. The parents could tell by the attitude that they were upset. So the parents said, hey, he's of an age. You ask him. He's old enough to answer for himself. The story continues in verse 22 through 26. He says, these words spake his parents. Now get this. Because they feared the Jews... For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore said his parents, he is of age, ask him. Then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know that whereas I was blind, now I see. Then said they to him again, what did he to thee? Notice the language. What did he to thee? They, they, he didn't say, what did he do for you? What did he do to you? What did he do to thee? How opened he thine eyes? And he answered them, said, I have told you already, and you did not hear. Wherefore would you hear it again? Then he ridiculed them. Will you also be his disciples? Ooh. What do you think happened then? John 9, 28 through 30 says, Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spake unto Moses. As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. The man answered him and said unto them, Why herein is a marvelous thing? You know, why do his parents say, ask him? Because they'd said, hey, if you say that Jesus is the Christ, we're going to put you out of the synagogue. You know, I, I'm amazed. This is another little tidbit. We, I thought cancel culture was relatively new. We're going to cancel you. You're not going to be allowed to come into the synagogue anymore. That's been going on for a long time. Hey, the devil knows what he's doing. He's just taking something, washed it off, put it in a new suit, and brought it back out again because it worked before. Cancel culture is one of the... You know, I'm amazed that people who fall for that don't understand that once they fall from grace with the world... They'll be canceled too. That stuff needs to stop right now. Oh, I agree with you as long as you agree with me. That's not what democracy's built on. That's not a re what a representative republic is. 
I have the right to speak my mind. So do you. I may not believe how you believe. I may not think you have anything in your statement that's right, but we should defend their right to be able to say it. That's what this is all about. That's, that's why this country was founded on God and that we could speak our minds. We've fallen far from that. But the man said, why herein is a marvelous thing? Dr. Sexton says, did we not say already that God's work is a marvelous thing? This man finally got to the place where he said, if you aren't going to rejoice and praise God with me over my getting my sight, I'm going to get excited about it myself. This is a marvelous thing. Dr. Sexton said, let me tell you something. It's a marvelous thing that's been done there. It's a marvelous thing, and we have it written down for us. This marvelous thing is written for us. The story continues in verses 30 through 33. Why herein is a marvelous thing that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, it was not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind. If the, this man were not of God, he could do nothing. This is from the mouth of a blind beggar who probably had no instruction, no education in what, except what rudimentary things that his parents had told him. And yet this is coming out of his mouth. Who do you think put that there? He said, I want to tell you something. This is something special that's happened. The whole world, since the world began, nothing like this has happened to anyone. And he says to anyone except me, you know, when it happens to you, it's like it, the, it's the first time and the only time in the world it's happened because it is the first time it's ever happened to you. You've received sight. He says, I'm going to praise God and I'm going to rejoice because I can see, and I couldn't before. So the Bible says in verse 34, They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? Oh, yeah, yeah. We got the education. We're the ones who are educated. We're the ones who are, they weren't educated. They were indoctrinated. They were indoctrinated by men who came before them, who indoctrinated the men who came before them, who indoctrinated the men who came before them. The devil has been doing his work a long time. And we're told the devil knows full well how to quote scripture. He usually gets it wrong, but he can quote it. And he gets it wrong not because he doesn't know. He gets it wrong to twist God's word. And there are a lot of people who are twisting God's word today. Oh, did God say? That's the same thing that the devil asked Eve. Did God say? Dr. Sex says, is that not the way wicked men work? You get out. You can't worship with us. We're taking the marbles and we're going home. We don't like what you've said. So you get out of here. So he was cast out. But you know what? He was cast out. But guess what? He could still see. 
They could not affect what Christ had done. And the world cannot affect what Christ does in our lives. They cannot affect. They might come against us, but they can't take our salvation. Once it's given, we have it. We have it. Dr. Sexton says, now, have you ever been ill-received from someone you thought might receive you in a friendly way? Yes. Have you ever been disappointed the way some, something turned out? He says, I want you to know now that our disappointments are not disappointments in God's eyes. They are God's appointments. You know, if we're disappointed about something, we can go to the Lord and say, Lord, I, this didn't turn out the way I wanted it to be. And uh, he'll give comfort. And many times we get in his word and we'll, we find an answer. That's why we should always be searching God's word. Not just reading it, searching it. You can read anything. But to search it is another thing. To keep it, to put it here. That's what we're told to do. Hide it in our hearts. Not hide it from the world, but hide it in our hearts. Now, listen to this. The Bible says, And when he had found him... Uh, Jesus had heard that he had been put out of the synagogue. He says, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered him and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. So if you ever hear someone say, Well, now Jesus called himself the Son of Man. He never called himself the Son of God. That tells me they never wrote, read the book of John. Because he calls himself the son of God in several places. He tells the woman at the well that he is the Messiah. Don't give me that stuff. Don't listen to what someone else tells you. Read it. And so you need to tell the people, go to the book of John. And you can, Jesus said he was the son of God several, several, several times. Dr. Sex says, before we continue, we have to go back to see this fellow begging, pitiful, blind from birth. The disciples needed to learn something. They needed to learn that there were more important things than just information. Why was he born blind? Jesus said that the works of God would be manifest in him. So we need to always remember that. I think we, I think we today in our today's society, we don't, we don't, usually say, well, boy, you must have sinned because you've got this malady. That could be a good thing and a bad thing. I think we've gotten so far from God's word that they, they don't know to corrupt it, to say that, well, you, you must have been sin in your life. Because they don't want to believe that, first off, they don't believe there's anything such as sin. And so, but it was a big thing there. They, they, they thought, well, if something happened, you, you had to be sinning. Dr. Sexton says, the work of God is not healing physical blindness. That's just the starting point. See, Jesus starts, he started by feeding the 5,000. He started by turning water into wine. He's, he, different people needed different things. But he was always there. He always met the need. When he was asked, he met the need. You may get sick and go to the hospital. You may have known someone who had a heart attack and gone to the hospital. You may know someone who is going through some tragic or disappointing thing in life and needs help. He needs family, love, nurturing, 
But just helping them through that or healing him is not what Jesus was about. God doesn't intend to heal the sickness. Listen to this and we'll close. The man said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. That's where God wanted the man to be, and that's where Jesus, that's what Jesus came to do, was heal that physical, uh, spiritual blindness. He first, he first worked in the man's life by healing his physical blindness. Dr. Sexton ends, he says, there are many people out there suffering with some things that they think is the worst thing. It's not the worst thing. The worst thing is dying and going to hell. So we need to always understand that. And when God works in our lives and Jesus works in our lives, we need to understand that it's still day. God is still working because it's still day. One day there will come a night when that work will be over. And the only thing left for the world after that is judgment. Let's get to our, our workbooks real quickly. I'm, I've gone over. Debbie, will, I'll hear that. <laughs> I will hear that. <laughs> Monday in John 9, 4. What does the expression, while it is day, mean? We, yeah, well, well he still has the op well, we still have the opportunity Tuesday, compare John 9, 4 and John 6, 28 and 29. According to the Bible, what is the work that Christians desire to do? What should be we be desiring to do? Yeah, and when we believe, we know him. What do we do then? The gospel. Believe it, the gospel. Receive it, believe it, repeat it. That's, that's the gospel in a nutshell if you want to reduce it down to that receive it believe it repeat it we're not supposed to hold it in our hearts we're supposed to give it to others Wednesday how did the Lord Jesus identify himself in John 9 5 yeah he's a lot of the world Thursday in John 9 1 3 it is obvious that the disciples did not see this man as Christ did describe the difference Yeah, they they saw a blind man. They were asked. They did. Well, they weren't. Con, they weren't interested in how the man felt or how they could help him. Now these were people who followed him. Uh, you would think they would have known a little by by then, but Jesus was taking them along, and this was also done for their benefit too, not just for the. Jesus never passed up a, an opportunity to, to teach to teach them because he knew one day he wouldn't be with them. Thursday, oh, I'm sorry, Friday, read John 9, 13 through 34. What good thing did the Pharisees have to say about Christ and giving this man his sight? That's easy. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. They had nothing good to say. And if you're going to have somebody not say anything good about you, let it be a Pharisee. Saturday, read John 9, 35 through I'm sorry, 30, yeah, 35 through 39. At what point did this man receive his spiritual sight? When he said, I believe, and he worshiped him. Brother Billy, would you uh, dismiss us in a word of prayer, please?
Amen. Thank you, folks.